Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to season two of the Living the Grace Life podcast. I'm your host, Jim Hobbs, once again alongside my good friend and senior pastor of Grace Life Church in Sarasota, Florida, Joe Davis. Joe, is it has it really been a summer in between seasons here? Does it feel? Have well, you felt like? Have it's you been, been a missing? little more than a summer, but I have a bone to pick with you right out of the <laughs> gate. How you had all these. All these not even weeks, months. It didn't take you long. To, you, you you totally skipped over Wayne. But he he's in the in he's in the intro. We have to we haven't. It's not time for Wayne okay, yet. Okay, we'll wait for Wayne. But to answer your question, <laughs> it's been a long time, and I've missed doing the podcast. How was your summer? It was a busy. Uh, it was full of stuff, and uh, I'm glad it's over. But I've had a good time. You so. like summers normally. Yeah, I, I like You're summers. You're one of the few people I've ever heard that really wants to participate in this <laughs> Daniel 3 furnace. It's not as bad as what it was in Paris this summer, I'll tell you that much. It was 107 much. in Paris. We never got above 98 here. So. <laughs> never below 90, right? Well, maybe. Oh, my goodness. It was hot, but it's cooling off, and that's a good thing. It's nice and cool here in our studio as we welcome back perhaps the most popular personality on this entire show, the man, Wayne Delaire, our head studio technician, master craftsman at Jump Dog Audio Productions. See, I had all of you Wayne. Did. How, you did. how wasn't that? How does that? Gentlemen, I just thank you so much. God bless you. It's so good to have you back. Hey, thank you, good Wayne. Back, it's Wayne. good to be back here with you as well. So it is. People hard don't to realize the reason we're late with our starting of season two is we were in uh, contract negotiations with Wayne, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> It was he was he's a even, shark. I didn't he's even realize this. Oh, yeah. Was it Wayne or his agent? Normally yeah. you do the good cops. Yes, cop three bad. agents. That's a lot of bad cops. Yeah. So, oh anyway. my goodness. <laughs> we have agents all around us here. Episode 19. We're so excited you can join us. If you're just joining us for the first time or one of our regular followers, we are following along in Joe's book, The Grace Life. What Philippians teaches us about loving one another relentlessly. This you can find on Amazon. You can find the audiobook. Any other places, Joe, that they want to look to find your book? Uh, you can get the paperback, audio, or Kindle version off of Amazon.com. Perfect. Or you can buy from josephdavisbooks.com. Got it. Uh, that will also be the place where we release uh, my second book that will be out at right after Thanksgiving. On Psalm 119. Very excited about That's that That's exciting. That means yeah. we have a deadline to finish this book. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we did do the first five chapters in case you missed it. So go ahead. You can go back to our Living the Grace Life podcast. Just take a look. Season one covers the first five chapters. This will be starting us off with chapter six, which we introduced to people a friend named Julio. This is going to be, and uh, yeah. you know Julio, Julio. Joe. You he's brought, adorable. He's adorable, he says. So we'll be doing that. But just remember, The Grace Life is the name of the book, What Philippians Teaches Us About Loving One Another Relentlessly. If you have any questions, not just about the book, anything you want to ask myself or Pastor Joe, just send us an email at livingthegracelifepodcast at gmail.com. That's livingthegracelifepodcast at gmail.com. But we do have to say, Joe and Wayne, the boys are back in town.
Well, it is true, Joe. Boys are back in town, right? Yes. Well, I've been here the whole time. Well, you, the You're boys the one have that was gallivanting around. Boys have been in town. No, it would be boy have been in town. Yeah. So, but <laughs> well, you're a man have, of the street, as I we am, know. So I that, am. that can good happen. good to have you so, back. Thank you, Joe. It's good to be back. And it's good to be back in the book, this chapter, chapter six, mm-hmm. which may be, from reading the book, one of... If not, I may say the most controversial chapter. I think we're going to get into some stuff that is really going to cause some people to uh, to bark maybe here on the Beware of the Dogs. I, I agree, and it's the one part in the book of Philippians where Paul actually gets a bit aggressive. Most of the book is very warm and compassionate, and this one, he... Uh, He's the Paul of that we see in the Corinthian books. <laughs> yeah, and of Galatians, I was reading, yeah. you know, where he gets, he's fired up out of the gate because it was so weird, the change of gears that Paul has. So really, this is Philippians 3, as we start in here. If you notice here, like end of Philippians 2, here's Paul ta- talking a little bit about Epaphroditus, and he ends Philippians 2 by saying, so then welcome him in the Lord, <laughs> with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So he's really still talking to them in this sort of encouraging, loving way. And even starts off Philippians chapter three, further, my brothers and sisters rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you Mm. so far feeling good. Then, I, this is like changing channels, it felt like to me. Paul goes, watch out for those dogs. That comes out of the blue. Watch out, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, hmm. what what is going on? He actually is not a channel change, and it's not out of the blue. Okay. So he's just talked about his passion for them, mm-hmm. his love for them. He's talked about Epaphroditus, and he's explained how committed he is to their growth and, and them to his. Right. Uh, he's talked about the affection. You've given me when I had nothing, and you've given me when I had too much and whatever. And so, therefore, what, he, what happens is it's not out of the blue. He's saying, look, this is what this movement means to us. So beware of those who try to destroy what it is that has brought us so closely together. The thing that Epaphroditus was willing to give his life for, we must make sure it remains pure and true. So it's really not out of the blue. It is really kind of following up on this movement that he's been talking about, if that makes sense. It does in the sense that he's been so almost passionate about mm. this. Like you can tell this, and we've talked about this earlier too, that this church, for whatever reason, to Paul means a great deal more, if not everything, to him. And suddenly, though, the language to me, though, just seemed like, so the dogs, who exactly is he? One would think he must quickly be referring to the people that are persecuting the Christians or the Romans or the political scene or something must be going on. He's actually talking about a group called the Judaizers who were telling Gentiles, you know, if you want to be a Christian, you have to trust Jesus, but then you also have to begin to follow the law. And for example, you grown men, one of the things you need to do to follow the law is to be circumcised. Yes. And so that's why Paul calls them mutilators of the flesh, because he they were teaching to them, yes, the gospel's true, but in addition to the gospel, you need to become Jewish. And so one of the things you need to become Jewish is you need to be circumcised, even though you're an adult. So they're saying to become a follower, you first must become 
Jewish in the sense of this particular circumcision. You have to go about doing that before you can even then address the issue of Jesus? Well, they're saying if you really have trusted Jesus, this will be the result. You will Ah, go this direction. And Paul is saying they are mutilators of the flesh. They're dogs. They're evildoers. They They are corrupting the gospel. Well, that's what he said. So Galatians 5, he's saying the same thing here. Galatians 5, 2. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. Mm -hmm. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Mm. So Paul there, so you're saying that he's saying, look, you're going to go ahead and do that. You're really taking away what it is that Christ does for you in the first place. He gives you the grace that you need because Paul's preaching here. Is this to the Gentiles? I mean, is the idea the, is he the going Philippian to... Philippian church is mostly Gentile believers. And there's, there's some Jewish people in there, but mostly Gentile believers. And what he's really saying in Galatians is he is saying, look, if you're going to... Uh, decide to follow circumcision, then you might as well follow the whole law. Right. Forget Jesus. You know, you what you have basically said is, Jesus, you're great, but you don't do a good job of fulfilling all of the law, which, of course, we know Jesus said that's what he came to do, mm-hmm. is to fulfill the law and not to destroy it. Right. And so what Paul is saying is you might as well just go the whole way and become a Pharisee. Huh. Yeah, he's really, I mean, for him to spend this much time. Oh, it meant this- a lot to him. And he isn't he, he's from the tribe of Benjamin. So I think he goes on, maybe even Philippians, to say, if anyone has any right to lay a claim that, look, in my heritage and who it is that I am through being a, a, a one of the highest level Jews that could be looked upon as the one who has it, it would be me. Paul, in a way, kind of is uniquely qualified, I think, to say that, because then for him sort of looking on, seeing the stoning of Stephen being his hands are dirty for him to have this encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus. Like he, in, in, a, in a way, like let's say Moses and murder, or he, he seems to be uniquely qualified by his own predicament. And he is the one that, that is called. Is that how he's well, saying there are, this? There are two things that uniquely qualify Paul to be an expert on this issue and to be an advocate for this issue. First of all, the things you pointed out, his religious background, Uh he says, if anyone can have confidence in the flesh, I have more confidence. Circumcise the eighth day and you got all that stuff. He talks about all his bona fides as a a Jewish man. But then also remember, Paul and Barnabas were the main sources that brought to the Jerusalem council what that is to meet with the apostles Uh and say, look, there is no question that the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God is working in the hearts and lives of Gentiles. And we're here to tell you that they should be considered Christians and part of the universal church. And so this was a passionate issue for Paul. He had made special trips. He had received a lot of criticism for his ministry to the Gentiles. As a matter of fact, what would happen is he would go to these Gentile churches and Judaizers would come behind him and try to undo what he had done. (laughs) And he was always going back saying, no, they're wrong. And so he actually had uh, credibility, not just because of his Jewish background, but because of his incredible love and commitment to Gentile believers all throughout the region that he ministered to in Asia Minor and other places. And so that is why he is so passionate about it in Galatians, 
mm. in Romans. Yeah. He's passionate about it in Philippians. Now, add to that, we've already yeah. documented his passion for this church. Oh. There is no way he is going to let anyone come in and corrupt it with bad teaching. Yeah, especially if he's coming in there and he sees progress, right? I mean, these churches are starting to get momentum. He And then he has to leave because he feels called that he needs to go and set up more and continue to follow him. And then he hears that these people coming in behind him are telling them the opposite story. You say here on page 75, in due course, Paul would travel somewhere new and enemies would come behind him and say, quote, don't listen to Paul, he's an idiot. He's a heretic. He's an evil man. And they would try to undo all of Paul's hard work. They denied that salvation through Jesus was all a person needed to be con connected to Heavenly Dad, or they would take certain parts of the gospel and leave out the rest, twisting scripture and manipulating teachings for their own ends, often for financial mm -hmm. gain. Mm -hmm. I think that that part really rubs. So the people, so if I'm a new, if I'm a Gentile, I'm learning, like this movement's new, mm -hmm. brand new. I mean, what Paul is saying is utterly radical. Yes. That you can kind of throw out all of these rituals and eating, um, you know, ways. Well, and add, add what makes it even more radical is he's taking this gospel of grace to people who didn't really care about Judaism. Right. Understand that. That's what's so amazing about the miracle of the gospel. And that is why there were many in the Jerusalem. Now, some wanted to deny Paul's request to make them part of the church. But many said, you know what? It's undeniable. These are people that had no love affair with our religious rites and rules. Right. Yet now they're following the same Jesus we do. And the scripture says many of them received Paul and Barnabas' news with joy. Yeah. Because the evidence, that's what made it so radical. It's a huge relief. Yeah. And some, you could understand why some Pharisees would be upset because, hey, these Gentiles skipped right over the the, the burden of religion. It's not fair. <laughs> right. Right. It's sort of well, free, grace, cheap grace. Grace right? is never fair. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's always undeserved. So. Which is what makes so, it's so bizarre. Then why, why then almost does, so this, why does it take, I was talking to someone recently who was putting together in a way, and I could see where they got this, that Luther, when he's in the Reformation, stating that, hey, in, in his 95, uh, you know. Thesis? Yeah, yeah. So he's he's fighting the Catholic Church because people, for financial gain, people are paying yeah. at that point for whatever it is that they think is going to help them with their salvation People were, this person was confusing. Well, that's the same people they're saying in in the Bible that, that Paul's talking about here in Philippians. And I'm like, no, that's actually the Judaizers, or Correct. what you said, not the Catholic Church. But to me, from what you just said, they look like the same thing. Well, right? Isn't that the same argument that, hey, wait a minute, what you guys well, are to doing a, here? To a certain degree, yes. So Paul is not calling Catholics dogs. Right. And neither am I. Right. But... But the point is the same whenever there is, and look, and some Baptists do it, uh, Presbyterians do it. I see it in our town. People from mainline denominations who have become dogs in that respect, that they are trying to substitute the gospel with their own spin on it. Like, for example, in our own town, uh, sadly, there are, there are influential churches with tremendous resources who have begun to buy into this idea that Jesus is a way and not the way. And and another one, when you talk about inspired scripture, their response is, no, the scripture isn't inspired. It's just beautiful. 
And what begins to happen is they begin to, sh- they become dogs. They, they are mutilating the gospel in that respect. And so uh, when I was preaching this to our church and when I was writing about it, I wanted to make sure that the church understood for us to live the grace life together, it must be foundational upon the true gospel with no adulteration, no substitutions, no cutting back. It has to be the gospel because without the gospel of grace, the grace life is an unattainable asset. Totally. Yeah, totally. And the freedom and the freeness that the gift is given of grace, it Mm. almost putting any condition on that, right, has got to be. Why the word dogs, though? I'm interested, like when Paul uses that particular word, like when I you know, in today's word, you know, a dog can mean all different kinds of things if you're going to call someone a dog. But here, Paul, I mean, what what is he using? Because dogs, I don't really, it just sounds harsh, but I'm not entirely sure what it meant back then. And this, like, he's really, well, you know, really not happy with them because he says evil. He also says evildoers in the same sentence. And he also says those who, who mutilate. So let me flesh. tell you a story. So let me tell you a story. I, in, in another church that I was preaching at a few years ago, I actually preached this passage about dogs and about how the gospel has to be maintained. Jesus Christ is the way, not a way. And, uh, you know, I, I thought for sure that everybody in that congregation would love it. <laughs> Well, the next day I got an email and it was CC'd to the lead pastor in this church and a couple other people. And uh, they were really upset because they felt like for years they had tried to change the tone of the church to be more inclusive of all religions. And, and they said, I'm sorry to say, Pastor Joe, but the dog in this church is you. And she called me a dog. And so uh, what Paul is talking about, you know, historically speaking, you could talk about how dogs would run in the cities and they'd be a nuisance and they'd be a problem, wild packs of dogs eating chickens and things like that. It wasn't like, you know, your cute little poodle that you're always posting pictures on on Instagram, you know, Jim, it's Daisy. adorable. Yeah, that would be a compliment, That's not the right? type of That's dog he's talking dog? about. If you, in, in the book, I have a picture of a chihuahua. Wait, are you saying, who let the dogs out? Uh, One billion dollars. The question is, who let the dogs out? <laughs> Okay, I think that I just that tees up the Julio story. So, in my was that Julio barking there? Yeah, it might have been. No, Julio would be would be more vicious. Julio is about a three pound Chihuahua. And in my neighborhood, uh, I haven't seen Julio in a while, so I hope he's okay. But in my neighborhood, when I'm running, there are some mornings when I'm running where Julio the Chihuahua comes running out of a neighbor's house (laughs) and will chase me down the street, nipping at my heels. And Julio is not a big dog, but he's a ferocious one, and he has these teeth. So in the book, there's actually a picture of Page Julio. Page 74. I'm looking. He uh, he looks— he's, The original, you know, the editor, I had that picture how in. How did you the get editor's... that picture? Because he looks really mad. Yeah, I'm not telling you how I got picture. the picture. <laughs> but I wanted it in. The editors pulled it out. And in my final pastor, I said, no, no, no. Julio's in. 
and I, you know, you, they said, okay, but it'll be black and white. Video. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, right? Just to make sure. But so, uh, so it reminded me when I was uh, working through this chapter and preaching this part of the series that Julio is a great example of a nuisance. <laughs> and trust me, Julio would have definitely mutilated the flesh on my heel if he could have caught he, me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. he, he looks like he's going to in that picture. So, so that makes, in, in a sense, then what you're saying on the dogs that while it does sound tough and what you just said there, it will cause friction and it will cause concern. It will cause division within the church. You have to stay the course and state that this is the message of grace. So you're staking your claim fully on Christ and grace at the cost of what many times, I mean, it could be the entire church, right? Well, if you really divide the congregation. Yeah, let me take it to a modern-day devotional application for us. This pastor is a Jesus-is-the-way pastor. Uh, the gospel and the gospel alone, unadulterated, unfiltered, unbutchered. I don't believe that this there are— This meaning you. Me, personally. Yeah, yeah. And I will always be in that camp. And there may be some listening to this podcast who— will be offended by that. And I don't want to offend anyone. I'm not trying to start a fight. But if I don't have the gospel, and if I don't have inspiration of scripture, if I don't have this, this solid foundation, then the whole idea that I've been writing about and preaching about this called the grace life, it's a joke. Because why can't it be any other life? Because what C.S. Lewis said, the difference between Christianity and all the other religions is in fact grace. No other religion has grace. Right. It all has works. It all has, if you will, the concept of a Judaizer in some way. And so for me personally, this is where I've staked my claim. Now, look, I might change on some other views socially, you know, whatever, liberally. I will always be an orthodox gospel preacher by God's grace. It's the only thing that makes what we do relevant. How do you, this is a great topic then, because how do you then navigate those sort of rough waters as the church and the congregation itself is trying to sort out what exactly is it that it would be deemed grace in the sense of it being the entire solution? You have on page 75, not long after Jesus's death and resurrection, the fledgling church experienced what could be described as the first denominational fight. So you're already alluding to the fact that this is going to cause division. Here they're talking about, uh, again, circumcision and whether or not this is needed or not needed. But they're arguing on the grounds of Christ that that is everything that you need. When you get into that argument with people who are saying, hey, you don't have what it is that the gospel that you're preaching, you don't have it right. You, you're actually skewed in one direction because you're saying these other churches are being maybe a little bit more lenient in terms of how they're looking at certain issues or, or there's a certain way that they are talking about the gospel that doesn't agree with how you perceive the gospel. How is it that someone who's listening on the outside says, mm -hmm. okay, well, Pastor Joe, he's, he knows. He's right, but the others, I guess, yeah, they are on the fringe or outside. Or wouldn't Grace cover that all up? Wouldn't Grace just say, or is that the, the Bonhoeffer for people that know? Or is that the cheap Grace that's like, well, no, you really don't. Like, so how does that there's, all there's find a, its I, In the book, I actually list a couple of very popular modern-day examples of what I think is dogs. Okay. The teachings of dogs. The first one uh, 
is on, I don't know what page it's on, but all roads lead to heaven. If that's the 79, case. 79, page 79. Okay, if that's yep. the case, we're in big trouble because Jesus is a liar when he says, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Look, if our Jesus is a liar, then he's pointless and he's meaningless and he's just a historical footnote. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. Salvation is not secure. Some people will teach that Jesus is the way, but that you can also lose your salvation. My thought is if there is any way that the enemy could undo our salvation in connection to God, he would do it in all of us every time, every day, every moment. So that's another thing that I right. think is an idea that you're hearing a dog. Mm. Um, Jesus did not have to die. There are some t- that teach that Jesus didn't really have to die for our sin. He just He did it as an object lesson to show us the level of commitment we need to have to our walk. And I just, you know, Jesus did have to die for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Right. Then there's the other ones that say the Bible uh, is just traditions, not truth. The idea, it can be celebrated. It's a beautiful book and it has a lot of really cool things, but it's not the ultimate source of spiritual truth. And if that's the case, Paul's a liar. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And then another one that I think is very becoming very popular, because people are afraid to take a stand morally, is that hell or judgment isn't real. Mm. Mm. It doesn't make sense, right, to preach mercy if there are no consequences for sinfulness. I think I write that in the book. Well, yeah, you mentioned Matthew 25, which is great there toward the end, where he starts differentiating between when you helped me when I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I needed clothes, when I needed hospitality, when I was sick, when I was in prison. So the, the I, I just heard a guy, um, Matt Russell, who is an amazing uh, recovery pastor and professor at Fuller Theological, he talked about Jesus goes to hell. So Christ is now would you agree with this? Christ well, goes to hell I'm to, not ready to in just, a sense come back and and that the, so he's right. saying hell actually is a place where Christ can exist and that in our lives today in the brokenness and what we have here that's why that's he another gets whole in the podcast midst. and <laughs> yeah it really is and so there there are is that good, what you're saying though? hell are, isn't real so he's saying hell is real you're saying well, I hell, say hell is, is real, real. Yeah, yes yeah. Okay. but whether Christ goes there or not but I think it's important Jim as we go through these things let me just back up a little bit and and tone down my my uh Paul-like rhetoric just a little bit. I like that, though. What do you mean? <laughs> it's, yeah, but I know you do. But it's important for us to be able to stake our space as yep. as evangelical believers, to stake our space and say that, that truth is not relative. Truth is objective. Truth is not determined upon your experience or your perspective. Truth is truth. Right. But we have to be able to do this in a way that's not demeaning, mm-hmm. uh, divisive, or discouraging. So we have to have this balance, particularly as pastors. We have to be fair and tough, and we have to be able to 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 do this in a way that brings a smile to heavenly Dad's face. We don't want to we don't want to talk about the Pharisees and sound like them. Exactly. Right. So it's, it's a very hard. hard to... so that's not grace. Yeah. And so I constantly struggle. I I will never compromise the message, but you know the method or the practice. Uh, I have to make sure that while that is inclusive and encouraging and loving and inspiring, it cannot be compromised by the teachings of dogs. And how then, so you love Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. 
It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So in that scripture, in, in what Paul has written there, to reconcile that then with his version of how it is that he sees these dogs that are saying certain things about the gospel that he doesn't feel is real, how do you apply that type of grace, knowing that we're broken and humanity has fallen from the get-go, and this is some kind of by design plan where suffering is, as right. we talked about, maybe our most popular set of podcasts, where suffering somehow is not only needed, but brings us to the love of God and the healing and the entire transformation that Christ wants to do when he rescues us. How do we then approach the people that do talk about Scripture in a way that you're saying, like dogs, well, or ways that we don't agree, but yet still apply this? Well, the it's most not simple the works, message right? that I have, the best way for me to approach this when I'm talking to somebody about, you know, Jesus is a way, not the way, I say, guys, look, I can just tell you from my personal experience and my study and what I see in Scripture, man, Jesus, he's our only hope. I don't want to put my hope in Muhammad. I don't want to put it in Judaism. I don't want to put it in uh, baptism. I don't want to put it in Presbyterianism. I don't want to put it in sacraments. My There is one hope, and that is Jesus is not a liar. When he says, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Because if my Jesus is lying about that, then I can't believe any word he says about anything. Right? It throws out everything. Wow. That's that's. Amen. He is our only hope. Amen to that, Joe. Wow. Well, we got into, that's just, just to give everybody a preview, that's only the beginning of the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> We've got more to talk about Excellent. in this chapter coming up on our next podcast. If you've got a question after all of that, and something tells me you might, please email us at living, but at don't Jim, email. Jim Hobbs <laughs> at gmail.com. I don't own that one, but I'll oh. take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I don't email Joe the email that he got from that last church either. Make it a, you know, put it in words and email us at living the grace life podcast. All one word, living the grace life podcast at gmail.com. If we do read your question on air, you will receive a free copy of Joe's book, The Grace Life What Philippian Teaches Us About Loving One Another Relentlessly. It's Joe, I get so much out of these episodes. Like, I wasn't expecting that we would dig quite <laughs> that deep into that and really learning from your personal experience, too, and really learning from experiences that you maybe haven't shared a lot either that are like to anyone, oh, wow. Or to you, maybe it's like, yeah, sure, that happened. But for, it carries a lot of weight because yeah. then when you say it, I'm like, well, of course people are going to get upset here. Like this is going to make people and I don't, upset. I don't, my goal is not to get them upset. My goal is not even to win an argument, Jim. You know, my goal is just, look, this is what transformed my life. This is what I've seen transform the lives of others. And I'm just not going to stop believing it. Right. Yeah. Transformation tells the story. Yep. End of the day. So, well, on behalf of Pastor Joe, our studio technician, Wayne Delaire, and everyone here at Jump Dog Audio Productions, I'm Jim Hobbs. Just remember, whatever you do each and every day, keep looking to Christ so he can keep you living the grace life.